You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. What's up, what's up? You are listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is Rafael Barlow, founder of NBADraftJunkies.com and also the NBA Draft Junkies website. have a guest today. I've been looking forward to this. We've been planning this for, I guess, a few weeks now. It is the legendary... Pete Michael, he is a legend in Europe and overseas. He'll he'll get into his resume later on. How's it going, Pete? Everything's going well, man. I, I can't complain. It's good to, good to be on with you. Good to connect with you, and um, looking forward to it. So you're out in the DFW area right now? Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm in Miami, between Miami, Dallas, uh, Barcelona. Those are the three places I have residence. So I don't know which day or which, you know, which country or which state I'm going to be in on a daily basis. So right now, um, where I'm at right now, the weather's great. Uh, I'm sitting here in the backyard with some tiki huts, fires going on and enjoying the nice weather. Sounds like, sounds like the good life. Miami, (laughs) Barcelona. I mean, those are like two of the the best like vacation spots in the world. And, And if you live there in both spots, life is treating you well, I must say. I, I can't complain. You know, met my wife there. My kids was born in Barcelona. So that's that's actually our first home before before Miami being our second home. So uh, we, we I have just as many friends in, in Europe as I have in the States. So I'm able to um, connect with people worldwide and uh, just learn it as I go, you know, learning different languages, learning different business concepts and just trying to make my mark uh, on the world right now, you know, on a business standpoint. All right. Before we get into like the business aspect of it, you had a a great career in Europe and you've transitioned from the front office to now being an agent. But what I wanted to pick your brain about today is the scouting perspective. So this is the NBA draft channel. And a lot of people are, you know, curious about the NBA draft and the players. But what I wanted to bring you on was to tell how there's actually more to it when it comes to scouting, as opposed to just seeing whether the kid can play and the measurables. Can you give us a little bit of your insight from the front office perspective of what teams look for in a player that is off the court, that plays a role into where they'll be drafted and and their draft stock? Yeah, I would. That's a great question. So first of all, I'll start. And so every scout has their own opinion about a player. That's what makes the front office beautiful. Um, You might have seven scouts in one department. And those seven scouts all have a different mind frame of what they're looking for in a player. I can speak on, first of all, what I look for in players, and then secondly, what we look for collectively as a group. So first of all, I'm huge on hand size of players. My thing was to always look at the wingspan of players and to look at the hand size. So, um, if you look at a guy named Kay Cunningham, the kid from Oklahoma State, the yep. first thing I noticed when I watched him on TV is his hands. 
he really pops out at you. He has huge hands. He has a huge, long wingspan, and he has great size. So I look for those guys that really have great length because as a scout, you want to put as much length, ball handling, and shooting on the floor at the same time. So if a guy is 6'8", 6'9", he has a 7'2 wingspan, and he can play multiple positions, those are the candidates for the NBA, the, the length. Um, undersized guys, they have to be really special, like a Spud Webb, you know, Chris Paul. These guys have to be really special and talented at what they do. Uh, I play with a guy named Ricky Rubio in Barcelona. Ricky has one of the longest wingspans for a player his size, and it really pops out at you. His anticipation to make some steal balls a lot. Um, obviously, he's a great passer with a great IQ level, but what the scouts always ask me about when I played with him was like, wow, is he really that long? Is his hands really that big? Is his wingspan really that big? And I said, yes, it really is. So that was one of the things to draft him as a, a lottery pick. So I look for guys with the length. I look guys with the size. But I'll get into the what the teams look for. The teams, they really look for the intel. I tell guys all the time, you can be the most talented player in the world, and you might go second round or undrafted because your intel doesn't check out. So what I mean by intel is um, you have guys in the NBA that other players say, well, how is he in the NBA? I'm a better player than him. It's not only about the way you play basketball. It's about how you were raised. It was what you've done in the real world, how you conduct yourself off the floor, how you treat other people around you. Do your teammates like you? Do your coaching staff like you? This is the difference between being drafted, let's say, 15th pick in the draft, and 31st. It's that big a gap. You notice a lot of talent players, they go second round or they go undrafted because they're talented, but the intel does not check out well because they have a ton of issues off the court. So I tell all players, everybody you come in contact with, whether it's your teacher, whether it's your assistant coach, whether it's just Joe Blow at the convenience store, everybody you come in contact with, you have to treat them with respect the same way you want to be treated. And that's what I, the advice I give G League guys all the time because I scout G League International NBA. I scouted that for years. Wow. And I think a lot of fans don't realize how important Intel is. And I mean, I don't want to name any names, but there's a particular player who was in the 2019 draft who I felt was a top five talent. And he fell to very late first round. And later on, you end up hearing about his intel played a major role in it. And so um, you've, I forgot to mention that you've worked for two franchises in the front office after your playing career was over. And we'll, we'll get into your playing career in a second. So you worked for the Wizards and the Timberwolves. Was their scouting department, as far as gathering intel, was there a lot of difference between the two? Or is intel intel, regardless of the team? Well, I'll give you this. When you work for Tom Thibodeau, there's intel. is not just intel. <laughs> and when you work for Tips, the same way he coaches and prepares his scouts, whether you're the best scout or the worst scout, the highest paid scout or least paid scout, it does not matter. Everybody in the organization works double or triple what a normal scout will work. This is the reality. And this is what prepared me. I was very fortunate to finish my playing career in 2017 and go straight to the front office. I had a relationship with Tips back when I was drafted, drafted to the Maps in 2000, traded to the Knicks on draft day, 
And I was very fortunate to be with Tibbs as my assistant coach that year. And I created a bond with him for the last 21 years. And even when I was overseas, you know, I, I seen his success and what he had with Boston when he won a championship. And anytime I got a chance to talk to him and connect with him, I most definitely did that. And he hired me straight for my, for my professional playing career. And when you work for him, um, the intel has to be quadruple of any other team. And the work, the amount of work you put in and thought in your reports has to be on point because you know he reads everything. And that's the key. He's a worker. People just see kind of what Tibbs does on the basketball court. But what he did with Minnesota when he was the president and the coach, I mean, he, he's doing quadruple the work that anybody else is doing because he reads every single report. And if you think about it, I would write 21 reports a week. So think about everybody else writing. So that's like 200 plus reports a week. And he reads every single one of them. Wow. He did not want to miss anything about any player. And that's work that really helped me uh, when I when I signed with the Wizards. When I got with the Wizards, with their department, it really helped me because I've always considered myself as the hardest worker in the room. And um, this was key for me because I would go out, I would get the intel, just like everybody else gets the intel. But I would go, I would take it so personal and go beyond what anybody else would do um, just so I can make sure I'm getting all the info. And then it's also not just getting the information, it's being able to translate the information to your GM because I've had situations where the GM called me and he said, hey, I need info on this player. I need it like right now. So you got to have it already in your mind. Everything about that player, you got to have, is he a two-way guy? Is he a fringe guy? Um, is he the 12th man on the roster? Um, his family information. You got to have all that stuff in your mind. So you're dealing with the whole NBA. And then you're also dealing with international players. And then you're dealing with G League players. So if you do the math, I mean, you got you got to know over a thousand basketball players and everything has to be in your mind. So scouting department, people always say, damn, I would love to be an NBA scout. But can you handle the travel? Can you really handle the work? Because the reality of the work is, you know, for example, I would fly to Memphis for the Grizzlies game and the game is over at 1030. Get back to the hotel at 11. I'll work till 2 a.m. The next morning I have a flight at 6 a.m. So obviously you got to be at the airport an hour before. So I would sleep from 2 to 4 a.m. and wake up at 4, get everything packed, go to the airport, on to the next city. I might go to New Orleans from there. You know, I might go to Orlando from there. And it might be three or four trips like this in a row. So I'll do four days in a row, and then I'll get home for three days. And those three days at home, you have to write your reports. Those reports got to be in. You basically, Tibbs and these other these other GMs, they put a time frame that you should have that. After 48 hours, you should have that report in. So if you got a game on Monday, by Wednesday, that report needs to already be in. It needs to already be in. Wow. And some teams, um, they're more relaxed by it. You could get it in three or four days. But I've always kept that that Minnesota. I've always kept that that mentality that the work has to be in. It has to be in fast. I've always kept that. I've never went back to the hotel after a game and went to sleep. I've never done that because there's no reason to sleep. Even if I got a 5 a.m. flight, I got to get to working. First, you got to write the intel, which might be on, let's say, five to 10 players. And then during a game, I write during the whole game. So, and sometimes I got to go back on Synergy and watch the game because I missed something. So I write the whole game. I get to the hour, two and a half hours, the gym, two and a half hours before the game. So I can talk to coaches, assistant coaches, GMs, assistant GMs. 
And then there's media guys there that give you information on what's going on with that team. So uh, you got to have a Rolodex. I mean, I think I counted um, between the years I, I worked in the front office, between the European G League and also the NBA, I think there was over 2,500 contacts that I had in my phone. Just from, because if you think about it, a whole NBA staff might have 30 people in the front office. You know, they might have 30 people in the front office because if you do that times 30, you know, that's 900 people. Yeah. So that's 900 there. And then European, there's 100 different countries. And so you got to know that. <laughs> and then the G League, you know, you got almost every single team. And then those guys are more receptive to talk to you about their players. So in the G League, you can talk to the head coach. You can talk to the GM, the assistant GM. Uh, even the players and their whole staff. So th this has been this has been really key for me. Is I've been able to um, have a good career overseas. And sometimes you think when you're gone so long, like I was. I mean, I played the final six straight years in Spain with Barcelona and other teams. So I was basically home 60 days a year. That's it, maximum 60 days a year. So I basically lived in Europe for the last you know 17 out of 21 years. So I didn't really have much off time. So that's why, you know, it's been key for me to have that that feeling that people remember me. And I was fortunate enough to realize that, damn, even though I've been gone, I'm talking to the Spurs, I'm talking to the Lakers, the Clippers, I'm talking to all these people. Everybody on the staff knows who I am. So that was refreshing. And that helped my job to be easier because you want to take these guys to lunch before the games. You want to go out to dinner with them after the game. That's part of the business. Intel understanding who this player are. It's all about intel. You know, say intel, hey, does this guy smoke? Hey, okay, he smokes. Okay, does this guy do this and do this off the court? Yes, he does that. You know, this is key because what happens there is you put that in your database and then all of a sudden a coach say, or a GM says, you know what, we're not taking that player. We're never going to have that guy in this locker room because of who he is off the court. We'll never bring him in. And that's part of the that's part of the business that people don't realize is once I enter that intel in the database, there's no going backwards. There's only going forward. There's no oh I made a mistake. There's no mistakes. Once it's in the database, it's there for life. And when you write something about a player, you better be a hundred percent sure that that information is correct. It's like the media; they they do all this. Um, sources said now there's no there's no source. The source is if your GM or someone asks you who that guy said that, you better tell them that's part of the business, you know, because you're a team. You're not against each other in the front office. You're a team. All right. And when we return, we will talk to Pete about his great career overseas. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code Locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code 
Locked On. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with Locked On Podcast today. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. You're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is Rafael Barlow with my guest, Pete Michael. Pete had a legendary career overseas. If I'm not mistaken, were you voted one of the top 20 players all time? Well, Hoopside came out with a really, really good uh, publication, and they voted the top 100 players in the history of Europe, and they voted me number 17. And Hoops Hype is well-respected media overseas. I mean, people here love Hoops Hype. And I actually did a blog for Hoops Hype when I was playing um, in Barcelona, which was great. So uh, I appreciate the love. And when it comes from someone like Hoops Hype that's so well-respected, you know, it it has credibility behind it. So I I appreciated that. You know, I didn't play the game and be voted this and that and be a Hall of Fame and Jupo and things like that. I just played the game because I love winning. You know, and that was that was all it was about for me was winning championships. All right, before we get into your great career overseas, tell me your NBA draft story. So you came out in was it two thousand? Yeah, so my, my story was, you know, as in my junior year in Cincinnati, I played for Bob Huggins, Mick Cronin, who's in UCLA right now. I played for those guys. I came from JUCO. So when I was in junior college in Iowa, Indian Hills. I won back-to-back national championships, um, 72 games in a row. Uh, we had great competition. We had guys like Sean Marion and Ben Sims. We had, a, we had a ton of good players, NBA players. So we won back-to-back national championships. I was MVP um, of Indian Hills. I was MVP of the finals and the MVP national Juco MVP my sophomore year. So I had to choose between Illinois, Michigan, Cincinnati, St. Louis, and Minnesota. So I had to choose between those schools. And the story was great because I took my official visit to Cincinnati. And it was one of the most memorable stories I can ever tell to anyone. So I'll go in the gym and Hugs has the players doing us. Ruben Patterson, Kenya Martin, all these, all these good players, Melvin Levitt, they're all in there working out. And I see them and they're doing a four-minute drill. And I'll never forget it because it was four minutes fast. And then you take a two-minute break. We're going up and down, full court, four minutes. It's a long time. Two-minute break. Another four minutes. Four of those in a row. And I was impressed by that. But I thought that was the end of it. So then they go straight to the weight room downstairs. They get in the weight room, and I see the physical trainer. He's standing on the leg press. And the guys already have 100 to 200 pounds on there. And this guy weighs 100-plus pounds. And he's in the air screaming. You know, more, 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 finish, finish, finish. And I love that because I come from a place in the Quad Cities, Illinois, where I had a legendary high school coach in Duncan Reed who was the same type of guy as Bob Huggins. Everything was practice, practice, tough, tough, tough. And I was used to winning. So I wanted to come to a winning program. So I get to Cincinnati, and then I go to Michigan the next day. And my dream was always to play in Michigan. When I was a kid, some of my friends can tell you, I had this saying in basketball, trailing like Jalen, trailing like Jalen, because Jalen Rose, I was left-handed. He was left-handed. He was like my idol coming up. I always wanted to be like Jalen Rose. And I get to Michigan, and there's Tractor Trailer, there's Lewis Bullock, there's Macy O'Baston, all these really good players. And I get there, and I'm like, damn, this ain't what Cincinnati is as far as the work. 
And that's the reason why I chose Cincinnati. And it was a great choice for me to take because the next year I was a leading scorer and rebounder straight from JUCO and uh, first team all conference USA. And then my senior year is when we had the great, it was the number one team in the nation. Uh, we had great draft pick. Kenya Martin was the first pick in the draft. DeMar Johnson was seventh pick in the draft. I was 58th pick in the draft. So we had three draft picks. And then we had other young guys that got drafted the following year. Uh, we was number one the whole year. Um, we lost two games in our college career. It was a great season. And I, you know, I was thinking I was going to be a first round draft pick, you know, and I get drafted second round, uh, 58th pick to the Mavs. And then the Mavs trade me. I thought it was great that they drafted me because this was Mark Cuban's and Donnie's first year. Um, Donnie Nelson's first year, you know, with the Mavs. So it was perfect. Um, the coach was Don Nelson, the great Don Nelson. I, he actually went to my high school in Illinois, Rock Island, Illinois. I broke all of his records, his career records for scoring, rebounding. So I broke his records and they drafted me at the same time. So it was like a perfect match for me. 30 minutes later, I get a call that I've been traded to the Knicks. And I'm like, whoa. You learned the business early. That's <laughs> Immediately. Not that's not good. Because obviously, um, I got Donnie Nelson, which is from my area, Quad Cities. I got the coach. He's from my area. And then I got Mark, you know, who I think this was his first year being an owner of the team. So it was a perfect situation for me to play, I thought. And I got traded to the Knicks. And I got traded to... I think the oldest team in the league at the time, Larry Johnson, Latrell Sprewell, Chris Childs, Charlie Ward. I mean, just the name. You know, LJ was like my mentor, great guy. Spent Thanksgiving and Christmas with him at his home. He was a great mentor to me. So I'm on like the oldest team in the NBA. And Jeff Van Gunny was a head coach. And me and Jeff got a really good relationship now. But at 22 years old, um, I thought I should be playing, you know. And I, uh, one time I went to Jeff and I was like, man, like, why are you not playing? You know, it doesn't make sense. I'm the youngest guy here. I got the freshest legs. You know, uh, I'm playing against Bree every day at practice guard. I'm, I think I'm holding my own. And some other people explained to me, not Jeff, but some other people explained to me, say, hey, man, this is New York City. You know, you got Glenn Rice in your position. You got Larry Johnson in your position. You know, you got Sprewell in your position. There's not enough minutes for those guys. How are you going to play? So that was like my reality check, you know, from this to somebody that was just an administrative, maybe in the front office. They told me that and they broke it down to me. So this was like my welcome to the NBA moment. <laughs> so um, but I never complained. I worked hard. I, I spent every day with Tibbs. Tibbs was assistant coach, Tom Thibodeau. And we were, we were getting a weight room together. And uh, after practice, before practice, me and Tibbs would be in there. There wasn't you no know, shooting with Tibbs. There's no shooting. It's working. You're going up and down, working your butt off. And uh, I, I played two summer leagues for Tibbs, and I, I did really, really well. And this helped me. Uh, he played me almost 40 minutes a game in summer league. So this helped me get a really good job overseas. So that's kind of how the NBA went for me. And actually, it was a blessing to not play that year for the Knicks because it made me realize that no matter what the dream is or how much money you make in the NBA, that if you're not playing, you're not happy. So that's kind of what got me going and say, hey, wherever I can go play, I'm willing. I just want to play basketball because that's what I've been doing my whole life. You, you had a career in Barcelona, one of the best cities, one of the most powerful teams in Europe, and you played with Ricky Rubio. How was that experience? 
and then you had a game against the Lakers and and you played against Kobe. So how was how were those experiences? And then did you feel like you were ready to come back to the NBA at a certain point? Yeah, so that's a great question. So so you're looking at Alex Sabrinas, who played in Oklahoma City, Mario Hazonia, who played five years in the NBA and was a lottery pick, Ricky Rubio, another lottery pick. So a lot of these young guys, I've helped mold. I've helped, um, you know, put it in a nice way. I beat them up in practice a lot, you know? So <laughs> that's the best advice you can give a player it is to make them match your level every day in practice. So I played with a lot of these young guys. And the experience in Barcelona was great. So before Barcelona, I played in a, a, a city called um, Victoria, where Basconia is the name of the team, Tau Basconia. You know, actually in 2000, 2007, 2008, that was my first year in the EuroLeague. And this is kind of how everything started with Barcelona. Um, because the stories kind of went, I was MVP of the finals that year, and we beat Barcelona in the finals. So I've always said, when you play good against other teams, those are the teams that want to sign you. So I, I was really good against Barcelona. Then we went to the final four the year that year. So the second season, we kind of repeated what we did uh, against Barcelona. And after that, Barcelona wanted to sign me. So when I got there, it was a match made in heaven. I got to live in a city that I've always wanted to live in, in Europe. Um, and, you know, some things are just meant to happen in life, right? You know, met my wife there. My kids was born there. I mean, that's just like a unbelievable story to me. It was a match made in heaven. So, but being in Barcelona is where 2010 is where I won my first EuroLeague championship in Paris. Uh, it was the best experience of my career. It was the highest level of my career. Um, we played against Olympiacos in the finals. Patrick Beverly was on that team. Linus Klaza, a couple of ex-NBA guys was on that team. Um, it was a great experience, something I was always remembering. I stayed in Barcelona another four years after that. And we won 12, not 12 cups total. We won about eight cups total, which consists of the Super Cup, the Copa del Rey. And also we won league championships. And I was MVP of the Copa del Rey in 2013. And we also won two league championships when I was there. I mean, it was a four years of dominance. I mean, we went into every tournament, whether it was a EuroLeague, whether it was the Spain Championship Finals, knowing that we were going to win. If we lost, it was a surprise. It was a great four years. Um, we went down as probably the greatest team in the history of the EuroLeague in 2010. We lost two games. There's some debate about that, obviously, but if you talk to most people, they'll rank us in the one or two top teams in the history of the EuroLeague. And we could probably go forever. It could be a whole podcast dedicated to just your experience in Barcelona, but not only Barcelona, but you played in, you know, quite a few countries. But when we return, I want to pick your brain about what you're doing currently. We have been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on every bar. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Three of the four flavors for the Flavorful Four have been decided. We have Cookies and Cream versus Cookie Dough Chunk. And Mint Brownie will play the winner of Caramel Brownie versus Coconut Brownie Chunk. I'm on the record. 
of saying that Matt Brownie is going to win the championship, but only time will tell. So we'll see who wins between Caramel Brownie and Coconut Brownie Chunk. But go to BuiltBar.com or to at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need and a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and very easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and the prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow the Locked On NBA Draft. All right, we're back, and Pete has given us his his start to the NBA, a brief synopsis of his career in Europe, which, like I said, could end up being an entire episode in itself. But one of the reasons I wanted him on the show today was to find out what he's doing now. So after... You retired. You went to work for the Timberwolves and the Wizards, and now you are currently an agent. So tell me what makes Michael Sports Group different. And actually, before you even get into that, what made you decide to step out of the front office role and become an agent? Well, I think the pandemic had a lot to do with it. Um, it's been less than a year that I've been in the agent business. Um, I, I've, been, I've been able to, to employ um, two different agents. Um, in my company. Uh, I am the president of the company, Michael Sports Group. Um, we are always looking to employ, for example, NBA certified agents, uh, FIBA certified agents. I'm always looking to grow my company. So that's kind of what I do. Uh, I, I try to employ the best guys to work for me. Um, my vision, my goals, but then I also need a good team around me. So that's kind of what I do. Um, we're not certified to do any NBA at the moment, but we will. But um, most all of my players, they are FIBA players. They are all overseas in different countries like Croatia and Israel and places like that, Serbia and places like that. So um, I got a good team that helps me recruit and get players and things like that. So that's, you know, kind of how it happened. Um, I had no intentions of ever leaving the Wizards and joining, you know, this type of business. But the business plan has been coming for a long time. The first time I thought about being in this business was in 2011, 
12, sorry. I sat down with Barcelona to negotiate face-to-face. And in those negotiations, I learned a lot about how the front office works and how the same people that I work with are not really your friends. It's a business. And I learned really quick in 2012 when it come to negotiate my own contract, because some of the things that were said inside of that room were on the terms of, hey, if we give you this amount of money, then I got to take money away from your teammates pocket. This, those type of things. Or we know exactly what your market is. We can only offer you this amount of money. Uh, if you want to go back to the NBA, your buyout has to be double what we're paying you. So there was a lot of lot of talk in those rooms that rubbed me the wrong way. And I had a partner at the time that did a lot of the talking for me. But what I told him is any contracts we negotiate from 2012 on, I'm going to be the guy in there negotiating. So I was in there negotiating. And, and I brought facts to the table. I brought references of other players in my position in Europe. I did all this on my own. I did the intel. I Googled guys. I knew what their salary was. So I compared myself to them. And then I compared my championships. And remember, we are in Spain, the second best league in the world. We're, we're not in Turkey. We're not in Russia. We're not in Greece. We're not in Italy. We're not in France. All those leagues are good, but they're second tier to Spain. So I did that comparison. And, and I looked at my career and what I've done. I understood my age at the time. Um, I wasn't at my prime, but I was still good enough. And from there, I negotiated a, a two-year deal. And then I also negotiated something that I don't think any other player has ever negotiated in Barcelona. I, re- I negotiated a retirement package that if the Barcelona doesn't want me and I don't come back, that they got to pay me a certain type of retirement pension. Oh, wow. And I negotiated that. And this is what this was key to me. And the reason why the retirement pension was so great is because um, I needed some type of stability if I wasn't going to play anymore, which I still end up playing another five years after that. But this was key to me. And I negotiated that. And I learned the business then. And from there on, I always want to be involved in my contract. And I started doing my own contracts after that. I've never had anyone else do another contract for me after year 2000, I think it was 14. When I left Barcelona, I've done all the deals myself. So why not get into this business? I can hire, it can be my company, but I can hire some really smart guys that understand the business and have them work for me. I can still be playing. I don't have to be a certified agent while I'm still playing, but I can own the company. There's nothing wrong with that. So I hired two really good agents then, and those still guys still work for me right now. And the business during the COVID-19 has been booming. The amount of players that we're bringing in, um, the way we treat guys, having a facility in Miami for the players to go. I treat the players like like the European players, how the teams treat their players. In Miami, we have cottages set up for the players when they go there. They don't have to pay for it. We set them up with that. They also have a gym that they can go get the weights in, the rehab center there. And then we have great trainers. So we have it all for our players. We offer a service that a lot of guys can't offer. I've never heard an agent say he has his own gym. I've never heard that. I've heard agents say, oh, yeah, I can send you to a gym with one of our trainers. Right. But have they said, listen, we have our we have our own apartment building that we house our players. We have uh, a gym that was a warehouse that, you know, my business partner, he turned into a basketball court and now it's officially ours. And, and so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what we do in the agent. But then also um, I've consulted on a number of deals to help. Um, 
my business partner and our company teams in, in Lep Silver, which is the third division of Spain. Um, you know, so we have done a lot of really good stuff inside of the company. We're, um, my business partner right now, who's part of Michael Sports Group, he's in the process of buying a team in Puerto Rico also. So there's another avenue for our players to be able to send those guys there, especially the young guys that don't have a market. So we are always in talks to buy teams. We're always in talks to negotiate and find the best fit for our players. But we want to treat our players differently than everybody else treats their players. And I understand from being a rookie that you don't have the money that you're going to have in the future. So we support our guys. We, we make sure that we, we buy their flights out. We make sure that they stay for free. And we make sure that their training is for free. I mean, this is uh, even if you're a second round draft pick, even if you a guy that has no ambitions of playing in the NBA, you're just going to play in Europe. We do the same for our players. So that's the investment that I've made inside the players. And that's the investment that all of our founding members in our company has made to our players. And that's why we continue to sign players. We continue to grow our business and we do things the right way. Man, it sounds like in just a short amount of time, your, your business is booming, like you said, but your perspective as a player and, and not only as a player, but working in the front office gives you, I guess, a unique perspective compared to a lot of agents. I mean, you've heard agents now that were that or you've heard a lot of guys in the front office that switch from agents to front office. But I haven't seen many guys switch from the front office to an agency, especially going from a player that played at such a high level to the front office. So I think you have a unique resume that could be or I shouldn't even say could be, but that will be an advantage to you when it comes to the recruiting process and just over overall how you're running your business. But the last question I want to ask you is, and um, I mean, if you can talk about it, if it, let me know if you can't, I understand, but you're, you're putting something together in Tampa. Can you, can you give details of what that's going to be going on in Tampa? Yeah, yes, I can. So I'm putting together right now as a president of the Tampa Bay pro invitational, um, the website, you can go directly to tampabayproinvitational.com. The website is ongoing. Um, the dates are June 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Um, what we're doing this year is we're taking the top 60 seniors from college. We're reaching out to guys, and we are putting on a great event in a, a stadium called Wiregrass Ranch, which is a state-of-the-art facility. It's on 40 acres, brand-new gym. We have hospitality rooms for the agents. We have everything set up for guys to come in. Um, we are putting sponsorship packages together. We are having sponsors eat with the players. We are having a ballroom party, a meet and greet party with the front office guys that we're inviting. Um, this is going to be something that's that hasn't been done. This is something that only this year of the COVID that I can have an opportunity to do this. And, and this is going to be great. So, um, there have been other people that have events like this in the past. I think everybody know what Portsmouth Invitational is. Um, this is not a Portsmouth Invitational, but we are having 60 of the top seniors in. And with the seniors come, the scouts come. So we are inviting all 30 teams to this event. And we're also live streaming this, which nobody has done. We're live streaming this event to all the European teams. I spoke to Teams in Korea, they're going to watch. Teams in Japan, they're going to watch. Teams in China, and then also over 100 countries between Europe and Africa. 
So a lot of players that come to this event, they'll get signed directly from this, whether the NBA scouts say, yeah, he's a bona fide first round pick or a second round pick, or if the overseas teams say, you know what, we're going to offer this guy money directly out of college because he fits what we're doing. So this is a great event. This is to do it in a city like Tampa. I mean, as an NBA scout, I would love to do it when I was a scout because, you know, it's the type of place you can bring your family. You can have your family in the beach in Clearwater and you can drive 30 minutes to Wesley Chapel, the city that the event is in, and you can scout and you're going to make it a vacation, a family vacation. Um, this is unlike any other city that's done it. And this is going to be a huge event. We have great partners that's involved with this. Um, sponsorship deals that's involved with this. This is going to be something that happens every single year. And it's just going to grow bigger and bigger. But Tampa Bay Pro Invitational, or invitation only. So we're only dealing with, you know, we have a list right now of 200 players. So as a company, we have to narrow this list down to 64 players. Um, some guys you invite will say, yes, I'm coming. Some guys will say no, because maybe the agent don't want them to come. Maybe, um, they think they're a first-round draft pick and they don't need to come. But if you look at college basketball, there's, what, 2,000-some college athletes. Right. It, there's only 60 picks in the NBA draft. So you need all the exposure that you can get. And if you know the NBA is going to be there, if you know that the people that I invite is going to show up, because I, I got a relationship with the front office. Obviously, I worked there for years. So my relationship's a little different if I'm just a businessman talking to the NBA team saying, hey, we want you to come in to this event. No, I'm calling my friends directly and I'm telling them what I'm doing. And, I'm, and I've already got great feedback that they will be interested. If the players are there, everybody's going to be there. If one scout, one team says, yes, we're coming, guess what? All 30 teams are going to come because one thing I know about the front office department, everybody, don't miss out. <laughs> you, nobody wants to miss out on that player. And then also what we're trying to do differently than anybody else has done is some of the top international guys, we are contact since I got a great relationship with, with international people, some of the top international kids, I'm bringing those guys over also to compete in this event. So this is, this is something that hasn't been done. This mentality of bringing over that 17, 18 year old kid that's, you know, going to be draft eligible in one year. This is what the scouts want to see. And they don't have to pay money to fly to Europe to see the kid. So, yeah, we're getting a list of about 10 of the top young kids, and we want them to convene, convene, I'm sorry, compete in this event with, with some grown men straight out of college. And I think this is the draw that we're looking for. This is what separates us. And we're not trying to duplicate what anybody's done. There, I know there's a company in L.A. They do something similar. There's poor Smith who's done it for, I don't know, 30 years. Well, we're not them. We're not trying to compete with them. We have our own thing going on. And I tell you what, with the friends I got in the business, um, I, everybody's been receptive to it. Uh, we're not looking to have this thing sponsored by anyone. This is our event, and we're looking forward to having the top 60, 60 to 65 players in Tampa on June 3rd, 4th, and 5th. I think this is going to be a great event. We have a meet-and-greet ballroom set up for the NBA personnel um, and the players and the sponsors. Um, we're going to treat people first class because I know what NBA people love to see when they come in person. Um, this is not a high school gym. This is a state-of-the-art gym. Um, so you can either be in the bleachers in the bottom or we have upstairs seating where you can sit and watch through the glass where if you want to be private. We also have media rooms, interview rooms set up there inside of the gym. 
So you can interview the player if you want to. So we have everything that's thought of from a scouting standpoint that you will want is, is there. We have corporate rates in places like JW Marriott for the GMs and, and the scouts. And then we also have a residence in where we got another corporate for the players. We have everything set up for somebody to take them from the airport to the hotel, from the hotel to the arena. And then also we have the quick rapid test set up for players because Obviously, the CDC guidelines have to be in place, and that's right. the first thing I thought of. So we have the rapid test set up, which can be done. Every Everybody has to have a test within 48 hours, all the players, before they arrive. And once they have that test, temperature check when you go in, everything's fine, and bam, Florida's open. Florida's wide open. So we can have, obviously, there'll be social distance set up, but also we can have people in the gym. There's people in the hotels. There's people around. So I think this is going to be a great event. Well, I can make a promise to you. Me, representing NBA Draft Junkies, will be in the building. This is an event that I feel like it, it would be even good for me and my website to be able to have you know, this video and this content and be able to do interviews simply because, as to my knowledge, there's not a Portsmouth. So this could be an event that that attracts some of the guys that would normally go to a Portsmouth and, you know, the history of Portsmouth, you got your guys like Jimmy Butler who made a name for himself there. So you have my word. I'll be there in the building, but this is Raphael Barlow with locked on NBA draft. I have my guest Pete Michael legendary player in Europe to front office exec to now NBA scout. And now he's playing a role in, in, in hosting camps and thanks again, Pete, for coming on. I really enjoyed your insight. I'd love to have you on again and maybe closer to draft time. And, and I could just kind of pick your brain about, about different players from a scouting perspective. But thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks again, Barlow. Um, also, check out MVPcombines.com and on IG. Um, I'm putting together some really good camps for, for guys that are struggling to get game film. Um, I'm bringing in G League personnel. I'm bringing those guys in. My first event is April 29th and 30th in Dallas. So MVPcombines.com, take a look. Uh, we're going to have a really good showing. We already got a ton of players signed up, and a lot of these players have played overseas, and they're just looking to get some exposure. So this will be another great event that I'm putting on. All right, sounds good. I'll make a promise to be there for that also. Well, that wraps up this edition of Locked on NBA Draft. Now check out Locked on NBA Draft. Tomorrow we have another host with another awesome take about the nba draft again we have a good team of guys that just bring different perspectives different thoughts and different opinions on your favorite prospects again this is rafael with locked on nba draft have a great day see you tomorrow